Good morning, family. Welcome to church. Glad you're here. I want to encourage you to go ahead and find your... uh, your uh, Grace Church notes, they're there in your worship program. I invite you to do that. You'll find a pen or a pencil on the seat back in front of you. To all of you who are worshiping with us online all around the world, welcome to the family. Glad you're here. You can also find your Christ Church notes there on, uh, on the note tab there on the right-hand side of your page. If you'd like to print it out or follow along, we'd love to have you do that too. Now, if you've been with us over the last four weeks, you know that we've been talking about greater things. And I've been teaching you that God always, 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 always calls his people forward to greater things. Always. God never sounds the horn of retreat. God always calls us forward to greater things. Now, you know, you and I have seen it. We've seen it in the Old Testament, how God called the Israelites forward to greater things. When he called them out of Egypt, out of slavery, Cross the Red Sea through the wilderness and let them in to the promised land. Greater things awaited them in the promised land. We've seen it in the New Testament how God called the early church forward to greater things when he called uh, men and women to open the church up to the Gentile world and then spread the gospel all across the known world. God always calls his church to greater things. And then we've seen it right here in our own history, right here in our own history, how God has called us to greater things, called us forward to greater things. From our beginning in uh, 1987 to 2002, when we were uh, just about having to close the doors because we were so small and so, uh, and so broke that we weren't even able to, to, uh, to move forward. But look where we are today, a church of a thousand people strong, and God is continuing to call his folks to greater things. And you know, as a church, you know, when we follow God to greater things, it always comes by his people living into a spiritual discipline of generosity. That's how it happens. Greater things always comes through God when God's people are living into a spiritual discipline of generosity. Now, those of you who know me well know, and you've been around here for a while, you know that I rarely talk about that. But yet, I live it. I do my very best to model what it means to be a biblical steward in the spiritual discipline of generosity. I believe in the mission. I believe in the vision of Christ Church. And it gives me, personally, great joy knowing that what I'm doing with my giving is leaving a legacy of transformation for the lives of people that will come after uh, my tenure as your pastor, and it will come after I'm long dead and gone. God's work will continue to be going on right here, and I will have had a part of it because of my giving through this church. Now, so with that, what I want to do is I want us to look at a particular verse that I'm going to use as a springboard into teaching on the spiritual, gener- uh, spiritual discipline of generosity. It comes out of the book of Acts chapter 20. It's verse 35. And it says these words. Are you ready? It says this. Remember the words the Lord Jesus himself said. Now let's all read the rest. Ready? There is more happiness in giving than in receiving. Yeah. There's more happiness in giving than in receiving. Now, the question really is, do you believe it? (laughs) I mean, do you really believe that? You know, that there's more happiness in giving than receiving? You know, because it certainly appears 
to me here that what Jesus is saying is that happiness then is derived by a spirit of generosity, derived by living generously. Now, some time ago, maybe uh, as many as 15 years ago, I was doing this word search to, to find out uh, what, how many times some key words appeared in God's word? How many times did some key words appear in the scripture? And this is what I found. So here's some key words. One is believe, believer, believing. Well, I found that it occurred 275 times. Believe, believer, believing. 275 times in God's word. Then I looked up the word pray. And I saw pray, prayer, praying, and it occurred 371 times, 371. Then I looked up the word love. That's a big one, right? Love, lover, loves, loving, that kind of thing. Four, 714 times, 714 times. Then I looked up the word give, give, giver, gives, giving. Look at this, 2,162 times. I wonder where some emphasis the Lord might be placing in his word for all of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus. Well, if you look at that list, we get to the bottom there. And, you know, give is a big deal for the Lord. Now, I want to tell you this, and here's what I've discovered over the, my years of being a pastor, is that the Bible is all about giving. You know, the fact is, God is the ultimate giver, and he gave his ultimate treasure, which was Jesus Christ. So even Jesus became an ultimate giver. And giving is simply because of that, because of God's nature as a giving God, and you think about all that he's given us and uh, our, our forgiveness and the gift of our salvation, just that alone, amazing gift that God has given us. When you think about that, giving is not simply tacked on to the Christian life. You see, giving is the essence of what it means to be a follower of Jesus because Jesus was the ultimate giver. In fact, you can check out what Jesus had to say about it. Gospel of Luke chapter 6, he said these words. These are Jesus' words, not mine. He says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you give back. Now, look, Jesus was not preaching some kind of perverted prosperity gospel here. He wasn't promising that you or I were going to win the, the mega millions or the Powerball this weekend. Unfortunately, I wish one of us had. You know, we could take care of this uh, uh, mortgage on the church just like that. But that God will do that in his timing. But he never promised that he was going to uh, bless us in that kind of way. But he did promise, according to this, scripture right here, and many others, by the way, this is just an example, that he said we're going to get something back. So my question, as I was preparing this message for you today, is, okay, well then, Lord, exactly what are you saying that we receive when we give? I mean, what is the spiritual gift that we receive? What, how do we, what, do we, what is it that we get back when we respond uh, by living generously in this spirit of generosity? How do we do that? 
Okay, so that was the question. And so I began searching God's word and I found all throughout the scripture these five things. I'm gonna do it right now. Here's number one. And that is, your giving makes you more like God. Write that down. Giving makes me more like God. Giving makes me more like God. Okay, now that begs the question, what? How? How in the world does my giving make me more like God? Well, you know, all that we are and all that we have is a gift from God. And God, of course, is the ultimate giver. God's the ultimate giver. In fact, arguably the most famous verse in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, is John 3.16. I call it the football verse because you always find it at the football stadiums. And that is this. For God so loved the world that he did what? Gave. There you go. And what did he give? His only son. Yeah, the ultimate gift, right? God gave his only son. God gave us the greatest treasure. So what do I get back? What do I receive when I give to God? Well, we get this, that I become more like God in my character. I become more like God in my character as a giver, because God is the ultimate giver, we are living into uh, God's character when we too become givers. You know, you can, uh, you can give without loving, but folks, you can't love without giving. And that's exactly what Jesus did, didn't he? For God so loved you that he gave his only son. He loved us all, so he gave. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. All right, here's the second thing that our giving does, uh, or we receive back from God. Giving draws me closer to God. It's one of the benefits. Giving draws me closer to God, draws me closer to God. Matter of fact, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 21, check this out. It says, where your treasure is, what's there too? There your heart, right? There your heart will be also. Wherever our treasure is, our heart is there too. Wherever I put my money or my, uh, that's where my heart is. And God knows the temptations that we have in life. He knows that, you know, that we put our time and our money in what we value and what we think is really important. And I think, you know, I was thinking about this. I think that that's the reason why when God was training up the Israelites, you know, and he had them out there in the wilderness and all. And then he, he brought them into the promised land. And he was telling them, he said, look. He said, I want you to realize that, that life is not all about you. And, and I have given you so much that I want to train you to give back. And so he said, he told them, he said, I want you, whenever you raise crops, I want 10% of all the crops to come back to me. Whenever you raise herds or flocks, I want 10% to be given back to me. Whenever you get income, I want 10% to give back to me. And then he told them why. He didn't just leave it there, but he explained to them why. Why that was important. In fact, he said this in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23. I really like this verse because it explains it. He says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to, now let's read, put God first in your lives. Yeah. Why did God 
put so much emphasis on tithing. 10% of the crops back, 10% of the flocks and the herds back, 10% of our income back to the Lord. Why did he do that? To teach us to always put God first in our lives. That is a, it's a spiritual discipline that he does. And you know, and what we get from that, I think, by the way, I think that's why Satan hates our giving. Satan wants to make us selfish because he knows that when we are givers, we become more like God in our character. It draws us closer to God and we uh, get a stronger relationship with God. Put it up there. What do I get back? I get a stronger relationship with God. Absolutely. You see, we become more like God in character. God draws us closer to himself through our giving. We become, we have a stronger relationship with God. And then here's the third thing that happens. You see, when we give, it is a victory over materialism. A victory over materialism. I'm going to say it again, a victory over materialism. You know, it's no secret, folks. I mean, not to you, not to me, that we live in a materialistic world. We just do. Advertisers make sure that you know it. You know what their promise is to you? Life, liberty, and the purchase of happiness. I mean, that's exactly what they promise. Life, liberty, and the purchase of happiness. But you and I know that's all a lie. I hope you know it's a lie. I mean, if that were true, then the people with the most money would be the happiest. But we know that's a lie because if that were true, there wouldn't be a waiting list at the Betty Ford Clinic. It's just flat out true. There wouldn't be a waiting list to get in there if people with the most money were the happiest in life. Now, with all due respect to Madonna, not the mother of the Lord, but the singer, how can you live in a materialistic world and not be a materialistic girl? All right? That's the question. Now, see, I don't live under a rock. I, I do listen to music from time to time. That is true. All right, so how do we do that? Here it is, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul is speaking now, and look, he's talking to his dear friend Timothy, who is being trained up to be a pastor. And Paul is saying, look, he's trying to teach, the, Paul, uh, Paul is trying to teach Timothy what he needs to, to teach his folks in order to make them, to grow them up in the faith. And he says this, Timothy, look, command those who are rich in this present world not to be, what, arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. And then he goes on to say, command them to be generous and willing to share. And here, I love this last line. This is one of my favorites. In this way, they may take hold of life that is truly life. I love that. By, by living into the spiritual discipline of generosity, by living generously, we take hold of life that is really life. I love it. Folks, listen. Someone has said we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. That's right. We make a life by what we give. Make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. So what do we get back? Well, what we're saying, what we say is that God, when I give to you, I am saying, God, I trust you. 
And so we gain trust in God when we give. We're saying, God, I trust you. I trust that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, according to the scripture. You're the one who spoke the world into being. All this is, is yours. And I know, God, that in all of you, I can trust you as I step out in faith and give. All right, so giving makes me more like God in my character. It draws me closer to God. I get a stronger relationship with him. It's a victory over materialism because we're saying, God, I trust you as I step out in faith and give. And then here's number four. Another thing that we give back is and benefit with is that giving strengthens my faith. It strengthens my faith. That's what giving does. It strengthens my faith. You know, sometimes God does use our uh, financial situation to to test us, you know, and some of you are uh, living proof of all of that. But look what the Bible says here about uh, uh, from the last book in the Old Testament in uh, chapter 3, what he says about tithing. He says this, bring your whole tithe into my storehouse. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't have room enough for it. You know, here's why I love this. Some of you have heard me teach on this once or twice before, but I'm never tired of saying it, and that is this. That line right there on the first line, it says, test me in this. I love that, and I'll tell you why. Because this is the only place, the only place, the only place, the only place, the only place in all of the Bible, all of God's word, that God says, test me in anything. This is the only spot. In fact, when you read the Bible, you always find, particularly in the Old Testament, you find uh, where it says, do not put the Lord your God to what? To the test. Don't do it. Don't test God. Don't test God. That's what the scripture says. Until you get to the last book of the Old Testament, and then God says, test me in this. Bring the whole tithe into my storehouse and test me in it. And see if I won't, here's John Spate version of the Bible, and see if I won't bless your socks off. That's what God says. If you trust me, If you try me, if you test me, I will bless your socks off. That's what God is saying. Folks, you know, giving makes us more like God in character. It strengthens our faith. It draws us closer to God. It's a victory over materialism. It strengthens my faith. And then last but not least, it blesses me in return. That's what it does. That's what our giving does. It blesses me in return. Giving blesses me in return. I always get more out of it when I give. I always get more from my giving than uh, when, or when I give. Matter of fact, Proverbs, why is old King Solomon had something to say about it? Proverbs 22, 9, whoever is generous will be what? blessed, right? Yeah. And then look at the next one from, uh, from Psalm, this King David, Psalm 112 says, good will come to those who are generous. There you go. And then look at this last line. It's kind of interesting. Good will come to those who are generous. They 
will be remembered forever. Now, my question to you is, what do you want to be remembered for? What do you want to be remembered for? You know, I came across a quote this week. You know, I, it's from pro, former President Calvin Coolidge. I've never heard any quote from Calvin Coolidge, ever. And in fact, I read somewhere that he was called the silent president because he practically never said anything. So Calvin Coolidge, and he said this. He said, no one is honored by what they get They are honored by what they give. That's brilliant. That is brilliant. And you know, when you think about it, he's right. I mean, we're never honored by what it is that we take or what it is that we get. We are honored in life by what it is that we give out. He's absolutely right. You and I are honored for what we we give in life. Lots of people amass major fortunes, but they're remembered for what it is that they give. You know, folks, God is calling us to greater things as a church. He, he always does. He never blows the trumpet of retreat. He always calls his people forward, forward into the future, forward into ministry, forward into this vision that he's calling us to be about. That's what God does. And it no matter how great our past has been, always the best is yet to be. And I want to share with you, if you've been here over the last few weeks, you've heard some of this, but I want to share it with you again, just so you know where this vision is that we are moving toward here as a church in 2019 and beyond. Here we go. First has to do with property next door. Our neighbors, about a month ago, contacted me and said uh, that they, they were hoping that, uh, well, excuse me, that they are planning to move to Houston to be closer to their grandchildren and uh, they have been a major supporter of Christ Church. They don't even attend this church. They go elsewhere uh, uh, to a church in Springfield, but they have been great supporters of this church, and they called and said, we would like to offer you our five-acre piece of property right here on 123, right adjacent to your property with our 4,000 square foot house. Five acres, 4,000 square foot house, and we will and we will uh, sell it to you furnished for less than the tax value from the county at $800,000. Five acres, 4,000 square foot home, right next to us on 123 for 800000 You know, some of our real estate folks called me uh, two weeks ago when I first announced it and, and, uh, and said, my goodness, if, if you turn around and sell it in 60 days, you'll make $400,000 on this place. They could easily sell it for $1.25 million. And yet they're offering to us as an opportunity for mission, for ministry, for $800,000. If we can pull it together and make it happen. I think that is incredible. God just dropped that out of the clear blue sky right onto our laps. And it's, a, it's an opportunity, a time-sensitive opportunity. And if we're able to do it, then 
boy, we can start dreaming about what it is that, that God would have us do over there. I've been uh, dreaming about a uh, uh, ministry with our special needs uh, over there, special needs adults and children to have over there. I've been thinking about a wedding venue and how we can make that happen. Or been thinking about some overflow parking that we will need as we continue to grow on this site, particularly well into our future. But, you know, this is all about the future, what, what God can do right here on this place. And the ministry that we could do there, we can't do here. So this is an opportunity that I think God is calling us to greater things. Here's another one. This isn't near as sexy as our last one, but, uh, you know, this is increase our cash reserves, and I'll tell you why. You know, we had, just, just like our neighbors contacted us, listen to this, we had a bank contact us as a church and say, we want to finance your $13 million loan. Now, I personally find that amazing, that any bank would want to, you know, to, to call and say, I want your loan. But that's what they did. Say, I want your loan. And if we are able to increase our cash reserves to a level of $600,000, we have about 150 now. We need uh, about 450 to be able to do it, they will reduce our uh, interest amount up to $10,000 a month. Savings, $10,000 a month. And, and the beautiful thing for me is I'm dreaming, my goodness, you can take that $10,000 and put on to the principal and start knocking that back. You know, you just think about this. This is a, just one more thing that God has dropped in our lap. And of course, we have our, our, uh, our 2019 ministry budget. Uh, it's there in your uh, Greater Things uh, brochure. Yeah, if, you, if you have one, you can pull it out. You can see uh, the uh, Greater Things ministry budget. I didn't tell you this last week because, frankly, I didn't know it, but I do know now. And that is our budget is uh, actually a little bit less this uh, in 2019 than it, it was in 2018 as we continue to, to, uh, to refine our processes and figure out how, what it is that we can do. Uh, so it's even less in 2019 than in 2018. So God is just doing great things here. He continues to call us forward, never blows the trumpet of retreat. The key is, are we going to join the Lord in these greater things that he has in store for us? Will we make it happen? You know, I've said many times, the capacity in our church to give has never been the issue. It's never a problem. It's whether we want to join God in the movement to greater things and live into the spirit of generosity. That's what God had in store for me to share with you today. You know, Rosemary and I, in the last service, we already put our card in. I want you to look at your card there on your uh, Greater Things uh, brochure. There is an opportunity right there for you to tell us uh, what it is that you are able to commit to and uh, estimate your giving in 2019 that will enable us under the, uh, under the ministry, that's our ministry budget, greater things will uh, help to increase our cash reserves and get the house. And then the total, whether it's going to be for the year or the month or a week, whatever you're giving, maybe you can just write that in on the side if you would. But this is our opportunity this is what God has in store. It's just now up to us.
So let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your amazing ways that you are in ministry in and through us and for dropping into our laps things that we didn't even seek out. But that's just the way you've been. Ever since you gave us the vision back in 1993, you just have continued to drop things into our lap. And we are truly grateful, Lord, that, that we are a church that has never backed away from the calculated risks of faith. And so today, we step out into that faith, and we're asking you, Lord, to bring about a breakthrough. A breakthrough that would allow us to follow you full speed into the greater things that you have given to us. And now, Lord, may we be found faithful. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.